Hello and welcome back to one more episode of India Unseen. Now the last episode we'd spoken about how uh, we traveled down from Belgaum to Mysore and uh, after a fair bit of adventure along the way managed to get to our destination at about 6:30 in the evening. Next morning after a great night's rest and a lovely open air dinner at the Mysore Sports Club which is also known as the Sri Kantirava Narsimha Sports Club. We headed out to Masinaguri. Now before we get there, a word about the Mysore Sports Club. This is a quaint British era institution and the place oozes with colonial charm. Now the main clubhouse is still housed in a beautiful uh, I think about 120 year old building. However, we took two rooms which were part of a new complex. These are single storied bungalows which are housed just behind the main clubhouse. Now the rooms though basic were quite comfortable. In fact, the bathrooms were nearly half the size of the rooms again themselves. The best part, they had the most outstanding filter coffee that you could come across. Well, next morning, after breakfast at about 10 a.m., which was a pretty leisurely time for us given that we'd been leaving at about 4:30 in the morning the previous couple of days, we head out from Mysore for Masinaguri. Now, exploring Masinaguri is not your typical choice. I mean most people uh, would look at a Mysore and an Uti the more adventurous would probably throw in a Bandipur and a Kunur however Masinaguri is this little gem which is between Bandipur and Uti and is most certainly worth exploring as you're driving down from Mysore this is uh, a place that you uh, get to just beyond the Karnataka border once you enter into Tamil Nadu it is actually a part of the Madhumalai wildlife sanctuary and like i said it's most certainly worth exploring masinaguri is only about 100 kilometers from mysore and you start heading on the nh766 going further down south this is also known as the mysore uti road pretty soon we crossed gundlupete and arrived at the entry gate to the bandipur wildlife sanctuary now while getting to bandipur must be routine for people living in around bangalore and mysore it was a novelty for us to be driving through a wildlife sanctuary you also got to factor in that we live in mumbai and it's not every day that we are driving through a jungle we slowed down to a crawl as we came to the karnataka tourism development corporation resort on our right which is just outside the sanctuary entrance gate soon we crossed the barricades and were in the jungle immediately after the barricade there was a herd of elephants lounging in the sun to our left in the jungles now this was on the same side that avantika a 10 month old daughter was on obviously given the beautiful day the windows were rolled down and before anyone could react she let out a war cry and launched herself out of the window to get a closer look at the elephants luckily bb was holding on to her and her launch into orbit was aborted midway through we stopped the car i mean since it was so close to the barricades the forest guards were cool about this and i got off to get the kids to take a closer look at the pachyderms a word about my relationship with our daughter here you know so far i think she suspected that there was a father in her life but was largely ambivalent about it i mean i was around but so long as she was fed burped cleaned and allowed to sleep in any order whatsoever she wasn't too concerned with her immediate environment since aditya too was very young i would typically end up babysitting him more 
This meant that I had very little to do with her chores. Possibly, hence the ambivalence. She probably thought that there's this dude that hangs around the house but doesn't feed me so he is maybe not someone of any significance. Well, today was a day that all that was going to change. Now, Vritika and I love nature. I mean, we like nothing better than being in the mountains or the jungle. And I was thrilled to see Avantika react the way she did upon seeing the elephants. So I grabbed her from the car and pointed out the elephants to her. We had a good five-minute conversation on their size, magnificence and how graceful they looked. Well, that's what I spoke about. I have absolutely no idea what she said. She too was prattling on for the entire duration while vigorously pointing to the animals and reaching for them with no semblance of fear whatsoever. After a few minutes of this, she turned away from the elephants and looked at the bloke carrying her. That was me, of course. I think for the first time in her life, she really looked at me, put her chubby little hands on my face and cooed. Maybe she said, you know, you're cool dad, not too bad at all and we should get along just fine or something to that effect. Seeing her fearlessness, I gave her the nickname Ranga Rowdy. We were in South India, so Ranga seemed apt. And of course, she was being rowdy about the elephants and stuff. After a 10 minute break, we continued on our journey through the beautiful Bandipur Wildlife Sanctuary. We were rewarded with sightings of herds of deer and even a wild boar that ran across our path. By about 1pm, we had crossed over into the Madhumalai forest, which is on the Tamil Nadu side of course, and reached Masinagudi village. One thing that stands out is, while Bandipur is deciduous and largely dry in nature, Madhumalai is lush green. It's almost as if you've crossed over from a slightly dry forest into a tropical forest. Which is absolutely weird because other than an artificial state boundary, there's very little else separating the two. Now, having seen elephants in Bandipur, we really looked forward to exploring Masinagudi. Masinagudi is largely a one-street town with a bunch of shops huddled against each other on either side of the road. These sell everything from shoes to warm clothes, fruits, packaged food, etc. etc. Essentially, anything that a tourist may want. You turn off that road in any direction and you will see resorts of various styles and budgets dotting the landscape. We'd booked in at a place called the Mountain View Cottages. The property was rather new and the staff was warm and friendly. I mean, at 20,000 rupees for two nights, we got two huge cottages inclusive of all meals. Each cottage by itself was a single room with an ensuite bathroom. Now when I come to think of it, I'd say 20,000 was a bit steep given the quality of amenities that uh, were there. However, the resort itself is in the buffer zone, like most other resorts in Masina Gudiyar, and the scenery around is quite breathtaking. Lunch was chicken curry, fresh cooked vegetables and chapatis, not tandoori rotis thankfully. And besides this, there was yellow dal fry, steamed rice and a green salad. Simple and delicious fare that really hit the spot. The food of course was complemented with splendid views of the forest and the nilgiris from the open air restaurant. My only issue was that each meal for the next 48 hours, barring breakfast of course, was some variation of this. I mean, there is only so much of the same chicken curry that you can have for every meal. 
Later that evening, which is at about 7:30 or so when it had gotten dark, I checked with the guy at the reception if we could go for a drive into the forest. He said we could but had to return before 8:30 p.m. Apparently, cars aren't allowed in post 20:30 hours, which is natural given that the animals obviously would need to be protected and I'm assuming the road passing through the jungle is uh, used quite frequently by animals to cross over at night. Aditya, Ritika and I hopped into the Yeti and we headed out with the intent of exploring the Masinagodi forests. It was pitch dark as we drove on the same highway that we'd come in on the earlier that afternoon. There was no other vehicle on the road and the jungle was absolutely peaceful. I guess we've chosen the ideal tourist-free hour for exploring Masinagodi. After driving for about 20 minutes, we saw a herd of elephants bathed in the headlight of the car. I put off the headlights, left it on only on the dimmer, and gradually just creeped up to them to get a closer look. While we were about 30 feet away from the elephant, we stopped the car, left the engine and the lights running though, and just stood there. In the dark we couldn't really make out how many elephants there were but I would imagine that there must have been about 4 or 5 of them. We just stopped there in the dark waiting to see what would happen. And after about 4 or 5 minutes I could make out one of the elephants ambling in our direction. Once it got somewhere in the outer limit of the headlights range we realized it didn't seem to be coming towards us with any intent. It would just take a couple of steps, flap its ears, stop and then for some inexplicable reason start walking again in a minute or so the elephant was maybe about 4 or 5 feet away from the car and we were super excited to see the animal up so close suddenly aditya exclaimed elephant he was obviously seated in the back seat and i just absent mindedly glanced at him and said yeah that's an elephant but he kept on repeating the word elephant elephant while pointing at the window I suddenly realized he was pointing at the elephant's feet. Now he was on the passenger side window uh, on the back seat which obviously was right next to the jungle while the car was parked on the road. So I leaned over from Ritika and looked down to where he was pointing. Right next to our car was an elephant calf so small that it barely came up to the windows of the Yeti. In the dark the calf had probably walked over with the larger elephant which possibly was the matriarch or at least uh, her mother or cow and we'd not even realized it or possibly it was the calf that had walked over to investigate who we were and the larger elephant was her mother just following her protectively we were so engrossed looking at the cow that we had totally missed the calf aditya whose line of sight was at a lower rim of the window had obviously been seeing only the calf all this while this little baby elephant was the cutest thing that we'd ever seen it seemed totally unperturbed being so close to our car i mean i could have literally reached out and touched it and it just stood there shaking its head wagging its little trunk uh, i don't know if it was looking at us or not because i simply couldn't make out its eyes in the dark But after about 3 or 4 minutes I realized that we could be in danger from the mother if she perceived us to be a threat. So despite our desire to stay there longer I just started the car and gradually rolled back a few feet. The calf and its mother simply followed us. 
I stopped again as both mothers just stood there and admired each other progeny. I'm of course talking about Ritika and the female elephant. After a couple of minutes of this, I did a quick three-point turn and headed back to the resort. Back in our cottage, we had a couple of celebratory drinks and headed to the restaurant for dinner, which of course was chicken curry again. However, I encountered with the elephants had really built up an appetite for some more of the same. So we quickly checked with the resort guys and they were more than willing to arrange a foot safari for us next morning at 6 a.m. After a great night's sleep and some lovely coffee at about 5:30 in the morning, by 6, Ritika and I were ready to head out with a forest guide for a trek through the buffer zone of Masinaguri. The jungle was lush green and incredibly peaceful at that time of the morning. The sun was already up and bathing the entire forest in a sublime mild yellow light. Everything looked picture perfect. As we set out, I asked the guide Murugappan who kindly told us please call me Appan if there was any chance of us seeing some wildlife. Now Appan turned out to be a thoroughbred veteran. He assured us that there was a leopard spotting just the previous evening not 500 meters from where we were and there was a very good chance that we would have a sighting. Unless of course a tiger had shown up as was his wont then the leopard would have scooted and we'd have to make do with a tiger sighting. So by the process of elimination I figured we'd see a tiger if not a leopard. And if Appan had his way probably both vying for our attention as they posed with their respective kills. We'd now been trekking through the national park for about 90 minutes the buffer zone of course and other than multiple sightings of Appan's camouflaged posterior we'd not seen any fauna at all. Honestly though we were quite thrilled with having seen a couple of deer up close. I realized they have the most innocent and beautiful eyes in all of nature completely justifying the phrase doe eyed the sudden startled look they give when you're within 20 to 30 feet as they just stand there shivering in silence before skipping away is absolutely endearing they're like the most innocent trusting and uncorrupted creatures in nature and it makes you wonder why would anyone want to harm them After spending a blissful couple of hours by 8:15 we were back for breakfast. An apologetic Appan promised to rustle up a few tigers if we came back for a trek later that evening or better still for a night safari. I promised him that we'd give his offer our utmost consideration and that he would hear from us in due course. Barely controlling our laughter, Ritika and I headed for breakfast. I mean, not that Appan was a bad chap. All he did after all was lead us on quite a memorable trek. It's just that most tourists consider a sortie into the jungle an utter waste of time unless they sight a tiger or a lion if you happen to be in gear. Appan had obviously honed his sales pitch to cater to precisely this lust for seeing big game. For us, we were perfectly content to just be walking in that place. Post breakfast, we packed and headed for our next destination which was Kunur. Now while we were planning this trip I'd mentioned to Ritika that our booking at Ooty was only from 1st January onwards. So technically this morning being the 31st we had no place to stay. The veteran voyager that she turned into over the last 72 hours Ritika was unperturbed and simply stalled. I'm sure we'll figure something. 
A quick search on Google between bites of toast and apple jam showed up a place called 180 McIver's Villa in Kunur. A call to them revealed that they had two rooms available, so we quickly confirmed these over the phone and started from Masinaguri to Kunur. As we headed out back on the main highway, which is the Mysore Uti Road, in about five kilometers we started ascending up the Nilgiris. Now this road is called NH. 181 and it features some insane hairpin bends and 35 degree inclines there are forbidding sheer walls of rock on one side and perilous drops on the other to make it a very interesting drive thankfully with the shoda yeti's all wheel drive feature the hike up was a breeze however this was at speeds of barely 15 to 20 kilometers per hour since there was a light drizzle and very heavy fog visibility was down to about 10 or 12 feet at the very most and the only reason we didn't drive off the mountain was because we were following the tail lights of the bloke in front of us i'm guessing she or he was doing the same right to the front of the queue somewhere ahead was someone who could hopefully see something or not irrespective we trusted the tail lights in front of us and didn't drive off the mountain the distance to uti is just about 35 kilometers but given the speeds and the weather and the state of the roads it took us about 90 minutes to get there as we got higher the fog got denser so much so that we didn't even realize when we'd crossed uti town and were on the road to kunur nevertheless after about 2 hours we got to kunur and asking for directions we reached the 180 mcivers villa the 50 km drive from masinaguri to kunur took us a little over 2 hours to complete So if you are planning this trip bear in mind the map may just show 50 kilometers but you're going to take the better part of 2 hours at the bare minimum to get there 180 mcivers villa is a 115 plus year old colonial bungalow this has now been converted into the most adorable six room heritage resort each well appointed room has its own fireplace a little sit out and the lead to lush green lawns Of course when we checked in we could see absolutely nothing for the simple reason that the place was completely engulfed in fog other than the fact that there was a veranda right outside the room and there was probably grass under our feet we had no idea whatsoever where we were now the same fog which has slowed us down ended up being a blessing in disguise there was a large group that was traveling in from Coimbatore to spend new year's eve and these guys had booked three rooms at the mcivers uh, villa Unfortunately, they couldn't make it because of the fog. I suppose they weren't as foolhardy as we were. And so suddenly, the resort had three more vacant rooms, two of which happened to be beautiful huge suites. So Ritika spoke with the management and convinced them into upgrading us to one of these suites. Eventually, we paid them about 12,000 rupees for one regular room and a suite and all meals including a new year dinner. which was a steal given the fact that it was a 31st night and pretty much every property everywhere else was going at a premium the suite had a magnificent four-poster bed smack in the middle of the room right behind the bed was a fireplace and in front a little wooden partition this partition created a sitting place with plush leather sofas and carpets that were sprinkled liberally all over the place that with the 20 feet high ceiling worked to transport us to a bygone era the bathroom was another story altogether 
it was luxurious to a fault with linen fixtures and toiletries that would give the most upmarket seven star hotel a run for its money only thing we couldn't quite figure out was the name 180 mcaiver's villa the mcaiver itself was self evident it probably being the name of the chap who built the place i couldn't quite figure out the 180 in its name though at lunch i asked the french chef whose name i unfortunately don't remember about this and he just smiled and in his quaint accent said you'll see tomorrow whatever lunch after four meals of unidentifiable chicken curry was an absolute delight there was roasted lamb with a plum sauce this was accompanied with buttered mashed potatoes and herb rice dessert there was brioche and creme caramel given the nightmare of our previous meals i remember eating very very slowly to prolong this meal and savor every moment of it in true indian style the meat was well done the plum sauce had a fiery undernote accentuating the tangy sweetness of the fruit the mashed potatoes simply melted in one's mouth with the herb rice adding a strange yet pleasant indian touch i'm guessing the french chef had used indian herbs for the want of something else being stuffed i passed up on the dessert but ritika tells me that the brioche was all right now coming for her that's an 8 on 10 and the creme caramel was apparently superb which coming from her is a 12 on 10 we spent the afternoon lounging around in our rooms followed by some lovely filter coffee later that evening and some home baked cookies for dinner the chef had rustled up a french classical menu comprising of a fish chicken and lamb course although we were the only residential guests the restaurant was chock o block with local residents having come in for a new year meal Evidently the French chef was quite a rage all over town and justifiably so. Dinner was a relaxed and fun affair. We of course barely nibbled at the various courses what with the gluttony that we displayed at lunch. All said and done after the long day that we'd had eventually for once in our life we were all warmly tucked into bed by about 10:30 on New Year's Eve. The warm glow of the dying embers in the fireplace added a surreal fairy tale feel to the evening. We snuggled in, super thrilled with a day well spent, sleepily dreaming of what new adventures the next day had in store. I don't think I've ever spent a better New Year's Eve up until that moment in my life. That's all I have for this episode of India Unseen. Do log in for the next episode. and join us as we continue our journey from kunur onwards to uti and back to mysore in the next episode hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast of our journeys do subscribe to our channel and i'll see you in the next episode of india unseen with me abhishek talwar